You're listening to Randall Wallace Presents, formerly Bridging the Political Gap, the number one American history podcast of 2024 by Feedspot.com. Clips in this presentation are from C-SPAN. The clips featuring a female senator are comments from Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. My motto has been here, to hell with politics. Just do what's right for Alaska. And I've tried every day to live up to those words. I take great pride in the work of the Defense Appropriations Subcommittee, the leadership of which I have shared for almost three decades with my brother, Senator Dan Inouye. And I thank him for being here. He's a great American patriot and a true friend. Together, we've worked to rebuild our armed armed forces to provide the support and training needed by our warfighters to meet the challenges of a rapidly changing world. Right now, we're going to hop over to the other side of the screen there, and you see Senator Daniel Inouye. Hard-fought, vigorous, that you want to cheer, you want to yell, you want to shout, say hurrah. But we should also keep in mind that in this exercise of democracy, we oftentimes say harsh things. We may not mean them, but we say harsh things. We curse people. We point fingers and use invectives. But in our democracy, the secret to success is a very simple one. We must work together. We may be tempted to say, I'm a Democrat and I can do this. No, more important than that, we are Americans and we are to work together. Bridging the Political Gap. I'm Randall Wallace. In this episode, we are taking a look at an extraordinary friendship of two giant political figures in the history of our country. Senators Dan Inouye, a Medal of Honor winner from World War II, and the second longest serving U.S. Senator in American history, who was from the state of Hawaii, and Senator Ted Stevens, known in his native Alaska as Uncle Ted, the longest serving Republican Senator in American history. They were the best of friends, so much so they called each other brother. They had all so much in common too, uh, from their World War II service to representing the only two states that were not contiguous with the continental United States or the lower 48. The two states have a lot in common too, uh, from high energy prices, dependence on air travel and large native populations. It just seemed a natural fit for the delegations of these two states to work together. There's just one problem. One state elects almost exclusively Democrats, Hawaii, 
and the other, Alaska, all Republicans. That made the relationship between Stevens and Inouye very unusual in politics, especially at the end of the time period in which they served. But they could have cared less. They were brothers, and they moved together to help both their states. And he and Senator Ted Stevens had a unique relationship. And when something really developed that was important for the Defense Department, and it involved a danger to our government or could do damage to the department, or they needed something, really seriously needed it. Oftentimes in this government, we can't respond, and we don't respond effectively. They would go to Dan Inouye, Ted Stevens, and it would be fixed, because they understood that peace through strength was the best way to avoid war, and they felt a sense of great responsibility to ensure that the Defense Department was not damaged on their watch. And their experience and their judgment is such that they could tell the difference between um, whines and complaints and real danger to America's defense capability. I would just say, Mr. President, that Dan Inouye is, has established a record that places him among the finest senators ever to serve here, uh, one of the fi finest human beings to serve here. They deferred to one another, but I cannot tell you the number of times that someone would, I'd be around when Ted would get a phone call or someone would come up with something they wanted to do in the legislative world. And if the staff was around or called about that, he had three, three words, check with Dan. He would never answer. He always said, check with Dan. I must put that on Ted's. <laughs> Tombstone, it's like check with Dan. I mean, it was just automatic that he would never agree to anything uh, that they, uh, without knowing, was okay with him. Ted Stevens came to the Senate in 1968. Dan Inouye came as the original congressman from Hawaii when they became a state in 1959. And he came to the Senate in 1962. Both men had represented impoverished states with large native populations. They, they both had states in which other members of Congress had fought letting them join the Union. We had the unbelievable chore of trying to convince our colleagues that we were part of the United States and worthy to be called Americans, Dan Inouye recalled. Ted and I were involved, involved in this type of battle from day one. But when I came to the Senate, Alaska had been a state for less than a decade. We, had, we were then more of an impoverished territory than a full-fledged state. The commitments made by the federal government on our statehood act were unfulfilled, and this present some are still unfulfilled. Alaska had not received the land and resources that had been promised. Poverty and illness reigned supreme in rural regions of our state. And I remember so well when Senator Kennedy and I went to the Arctic uh, and, and examined some of those villages. It was just disaster. Our fisheries were in peril, primarily from the intrusion of foreign vessels that were anchored just uh, a few miles offshore, 12 months out of the year. Uh, many people doubted whether Alaska had what it took to be a successful state. And they asked whether Alaska was still Seward's folly. 
Mr. President, we proved that those doubters were wrong. Working with one another as Alaskans and as with great friends here in the Senate, Alaskans took control of our own destiny. In 1958, as Legislative Counsel for the Department of Interior, I worked on Alaska's Statehood Act. Section 4 of that act committed Congress to settle the Alaska Native land claims. In 1971, Congress did enact the Alaska Native Land Claim Settlement Act, settling aboriginal claims in our state. Native corporations established at my request to manage $1 billion paid by our state and federal government and the 44 million acres acre land settlement are now driving forces in the Alaska economy. In 1973, after a dramatic tie-breaking vote by the Vice President of this chamber, an amendment which, caused, which closed the courts of this country to further delay by extreme environmentalists, the President signed into law the Trans-Alaska Pipeline Authorization Act. That act dramatically improved America's energy security and secured the economic future of Alaska. In 1976, Congress passed what became, became known as the Magnuson-Stevens Act to fight foreign fishing fleets which endangered America's fisheries. Because of that act, America's fisheries today are the most productive and the best managed in the world. Working within the framework of these basic laws, Alaskans have labored in the appropriations and administrative process to make statehood a reality. Where there was nothing but tundra and forest, today there are now airports, roads, ports, water and sewer systems, hospitals, clinics, communications networks, research labs, and much, much more. Mr. President, Alaska was not Seward's folly and is no longer an impoverished territory. Alaska is a great state, an essential contributor to our nation's energy security and national defense. I'm proud to have had a role in this transformation. Helping, working to help Alaska achieve its potential has been and will continue to be my life's work. Through it all, Ted Stevens could count on his friend Dan Inouye. Inouye became known as Alaska's third senator. These two men, by working across the aisle, ensured their states would receive help, no matter which party was in control in Washington, D.C. These two men helped each other at home, too. Dan Inouye was one of the few Democrats to, to vote to open Anwar drilling in Alaska. And Ted Stevens was among just a few Republicans that gave federal recognition to David Hawaiians. Aloha. First, I'd like to thank all of you for destroying such a great honor in my life. Me, <laughs> she's such a busy woman that I never got me intelligence to see her. <laughs> but I'm going to see much more of her. I've been reading and I've been listening. And I think uh, we are taking the most important step. But before we do it, it might be well to review what we are confronting. <coughs> of the oil produced on this globe, about 95% of all the petroleum produced are produced primarily by dictatorships. 
Saudi Arabia, Arab Emirates, Venezuela, Nigeria. They are the ones who are producing it. The oil that we consume in the United States, about 30% produced within the United States, and 70% comes in. We have an opportunity to be self-sufficient. The state of Hawaii, over the years, because of our isolation and dependence upon fossil fuel, decided that we are going to do our best. So we experimented with OTEC, Ocean Thermal Energy Conversion. Very expensive. But the plant is still going on by little corner. This is that The cold water from the bottom of the ocean comes up and goes up and down. But now we use the cold water to help us to raise main lobsters. The lobsters grow in cold water. So we buy the little baby ones from Maine, and we get the big ones inside in all our restaurants. Fresh Maine lobsters. There are ways of making that. We try wind energy, but our land space is limited. We are in a big way with solar energy to be able to catch off. Right now, about 35% of our energy is locally produced. 65% oil from the Someone at the airport asked me when I came in yesterday, why don't you care? Well, first of all, I will meet with all of you discuss energy. The second way I want to come by to be with my friend. There's no secret. He's a Republican, I'm a Democrat. We're both senior members. He's number four in the Senate, I'm number three. But he's one year older than me. <laughs> but we have been friends from the day he set foot in Washington. Why? because there are many similarities. Both of us were in World War II. Both of us volunteered. We know what war can do to people. Both of us decided to become lawyers. Both of us are in the same. But the important that both of us represent states that have been given the short end of the deal all these years. For example, before statehood, if you wanted to send a telegram from Washington to Alaska, it was like sending a telegram to Tokyo. That's what they charged. There was a special rate for Alaska and Hawaii. Double the others. Send anything, cargo, to make extra. We belong to all of this. So when we got together, and we told this problems and I told them ours, we decided to step. And believe me, when we make decisions, it's not based strictly upon you want to okay, you got it. 
we disagree more often than agree. Yes, we do. But we are never disagreeable. That's the way it was done in the old days. Well, when it came out with the Clinton and all the environmental organizations were against it, and they knew that I was studying this, when it came out to me, they realized that if you support this, you're going to be killing the Cowboys. I studied with my scientists. I don't find it more something happened. But I'm happy to know that as of this moment, the Cowboys block has increased on seven folds. But I told my wife, she asked me, how come? Well, for one thing, it hasn't stopped the migration, but secondly, along the pipeline, because of the friction caused by the oil going back. This heat, grass grows, cattle will come to feed and make love. <laughs> More often than before. <laughs> but when Angmar came along, oh, I'm telling you, every environmental organization is against them. And my environmental record, accordingly, was supposed to be good. And they came up and said, you are now one of the two in the United States Senate. You support this, you're going to go down 50. That's how many points you gave my mom. Well, I did my studies. And according to the opponents, you were going to drill all over them. So I said, now let's convert this to something I can see. And they said, if Anwar is the size of our the place we're building is about the size of the Los Angeles airport. I said, is that what? What about the other places? It's going to be untouched. The more I've been fussing. They haven't opposed drilling in other parts of the United States, in national parks and places like that, along this place. Well, I'm full of If they can produce the oil, help themselves and help us, I'm for it. But we depend upon Alaskan oil. We depend upon California oil. I'm with my friend, and he has never, never talked to me. I'll always get this word. He's been honest with me, he's been a man of integrity. I'm from the old school, willing to stand up and die for something. You know, we don't want to talk about it, we've done it before. That man is that kind of friend. Believe me. I know you stand for me. Thank you. In March of 2005, after the vote that brought uh, drilling closer to being a reality in Alaska at Anwar, Ted Stevens said, this was a team effort. It was a bipartisan effort. 
I am particularly grateful for our two great friends from Alaska, Senators Akaka and Inouye. Stevens then quipped, realizing his error, that they're honorary members of the Alaska delegation. Mr. President, in, in Alaska and in this body as well, we, we regarded former Senator Ted Stevens as Uncle Ted. We called him Uncle Ted back home. What follows then that the people of Alaska would regard his brother, our beloved Daniel Inouye, as our uncle as well. Today, the people of Alaska are mourning the loss of Senator Inouye in the same way that we would mourn the loss of one of our own. And that is because Senator Inouye is one of our own. Regardless of whether he wanted that burden, I know that perhaps at times he really did not want that, but we would think of him as Alaska's third senator. A great many Alaskans came to know, to love, and to rely on Senator Inouye to watch Alaska's back, and he never let us down. These men were also great champions of our military, and they were revered overseas wherever they went, especially in China and in Asia. A few years ago, Senator Inouye and Senator Ted Stevens invited a number of us to go with them to China. It was quite an experience. Senator Stevens, of course another World War II veteran, had flown the first cargo plane into what was then Peking in 1944. And of course, Senator Inouye was well regarded in China for that service. And so the group of senators, there must have been a dozen of us of both parties, got more time with Mr. Hu and Mr. Wu, the number one and two leaders of China, than almost the President of the United States would. We were accorded every courtesy we could possibly be accorded because of the presence of Senator Inouye and Senator Stevens. They were like brothers. They called one another brothers. They acted that way in private. They served that way in the Senate as chairman and vice chairman and chairman and vice chairman of the Defense Appropriations Subcommittee. They, over a number of decades, uh, single-handedly shaped uh, our American defense posture. And they did it with skill and patriotism and the knowledge of our structure that very few could have. Several senators have mentioned how bipartisan Dan Inouye was. He was of the old school. Not a bad school uh, for today, in my point of view. He treated each senator with courtesy, even the newer senators. He treated each senator with a sense of equality, even those who were in the minority and not on his side of the aisle. He was always fair. He was always courteous. And he always tried to do the right thing. Uh, he was a textbook United States senator. I learned early on. Uh, this is at the point in time where I became uh, the chief of the Army and had the entire Army's budget, not just the training budget. Early on, how close that relationship was as I uh, made my calls on both senators. Um, early on, Senator Stevens, who was the chairman at that particular point in time, uh, said, uh, Listen, if you talk to Dan, you've talked to me, so don't waste any time, you know, scheduling multiple office calls here. And I said, uh, okay, Senator, I, I understand, Mr. Chairman. And then the Army budget comes up, 
first, my first go at it, I said, well, I understood what he said, but, you know, this is the Army budget. I want to be sure the chairman is really, uh, you know, uh, focused on what we're trying to get done here. So I had my meeting with uh, Senator Noah. He said, great, looks good. And then I scheduled a meeting with Ted Stevens. And I mean, it was, it was just uh, a great learning experience. So I go in there, and he's seated at his desk and looks up at me when I walk in. He says, remember what I told you? I said, oh, yes, sir. You talked to Dan this morning, didn't you? I said, oh, yes, sir. Get out of here. <laughs> so thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. I took our budget, and I knew we had, uh, we had a lock. As chairman and ranking member, Stevens and Inouye financed the modern military. They were the go-to senators for the military leadership. They created the modern Navy. With the vice chairman, I'd like to take a few moments to offer an amendment in honor of our former chairman and senator from Alaska, Ted Stevens. Many of my colleagues are aware that Ted was a friend of mine for 40 years, and I always thought of him as my brother. But many of my colleagues might not, might not be aware of the role that Senator Stevens played, played in overseeing our nation's defense. In 1975, Ted was assigned to the Defense Subcommittee, and 1981 became the first Republican chairman in nearly 30 years. <laughs> For the next 28 years, Senator Stevens served on either chairman or vice chairman of the subcommittee, and most of those years, I had the good fortune of partnering with him. Ted was a tireless advocate for the men and women who served in uniform and a strong supporter of each of the services. He had served heroically in the Army Air Corps during World War II and maintained a kinship with the Air Force, but as chairman, he also became a champion of the Navy. Senator Stevens realized early that the 21st century would be the Pacific Central and understood the need for a strong Navy. He recognized the strategic value and economic advantage that come with controlling sea lanes. The chairmanship began with the reintroduction of battleships to the fleet as he led the effort to build a 600-ship Navy. He was chairman when the first Aegis destroyer was delivered and presided over the subcommittee when both the Sea Wolf and Virginia class submarines were developed and deployed. His tenure ended with the development and delivery of the first of the Navy's newest class of ships, the littoral combat ship. From aircraft carriers to minesweepers, Ted was a tireless advocate for the Navy's fleet and the sailors who manned the ships. His leadership was instrumental in the development, the construction, and the operations of their ships, which serve as the backbone of the modern Navy. Though so today, Vice Chairman Cochrane and I seek to honor this legacy by offering a sense of the Senate Amendment, encouraging the Navy to name a ship after him. I believe it is a small but well-deserved honor for a man who did so much to support the United States Navy. And I would ask all my colleagues for their support in this amendment.
It's Randall Wallace, your host for Bridging the Political Gap. I hope you've enjoyed our podcast uh, so far, and I want to invite you to come over to Amazon and take a look at our book, Always Vote Your Conscience, Don't Take It Personally, and Don't Fight the Same Old Battles Over and Over Again, plus some other lessons and a few opinions from my time in politics. It's a book that I put out in December of last year, 2019. It has a lot of ideas based on our campaign for Congress in 2012 about how to bring the country together, some ideas and programs and policy initiatives that really could probably be embraced by anyone. I'd also like to invite you to come over to Facebook to our page, The Silent Majority. It's free to join, and this way you can keep up with different things that we will be doing in 2021 and beyond. And for now, I hope you've enjoyed looking back at the generation who grew up in the Great Depression and fought World War II and then led us through the American century. I'm Randall Wallace, and now let's get back to the show. mission in life is not completed. I believe God will give me more opportunities to be of service to Alaska and to our nation. And I look forward with, uh, with a glad heart and with confidence in his justice and mercy. I told him, remember the press yesterday, I don't have any rear view mirror. I look only forward and I still see the day when I can remove the cloud that currently surrounds me. It is impossible put into words the disgraceful set of events that led to the end of Senator Ted Stevens' career. It involved misconduct in the Justice Department and in the FBI. So unbelievable it is, impossible to put into words. In FBI, it created a true test of the friendship between Dan Inouye and Ted Stevens. Ted Stevens was indicted, his home in Alaska raided, not for bribery, but his, this 84-year-old World War II veteran was indicted and put on trial for lying to his Senate ethics firm because he did not re- report the gifts he received from an Alaska oil executive that had been his personal friend for close to 30 years. The gifts were a couple of pieces of used furniture, an old grill, a statue of two dolphins, and the, and the supervision of home repairs Senator Stevens had not only paid uh, already about $85,000 for it, but he had in writing a place where he had asked for the remaining bills for the work that had, had yet to be done to the home in Girdwood, Alaska, 4,308.8 miles away from Washington, D.C., where Stevens lived most of the time, where the Justice Department would try him on the filing uh, on the felony counts which would require all the witnesses and evidence to be flown in for the trial. Before this case was done, one juror would vanish to go gamble in Las Vegas. A witness told prosecutors most of their receipts were phony. He would be flown back from he would be flown from Anchorage to DC and then back again. Uh, evidence would be hidden. A star witness would be caught in a, an affair of some sort with an FBI agent. You just couldn't make this stuff up. Three giant figures would come in and testify to Ted Stevens' character. General Colin Powell, Senator Orrin Hatch, a Republican from Utah, and Senator Dan One of the few times we found ourselves on the same side came when our mutual friend, the late Senator Ted Stevens, 
Ask us both for help when his character was called into question. Now, politically speaking, participating in Senator Stevens' trial held no benefit for Senator Anoya. It would have been easy for Senator Anoya to deny his friend's request and few would have blamed him for it. But that wasn't how Senator Inouye operated. Rather than letting a friend fend for himself, Senator Inouye showed great loyalty and characteristic integrity in his willingness to testify to his friend's good character, to put his own reputation on the line in service of a friend. And I had a similar privilege. Once again, Mr. President, both Senator Inouye and I were mystified by what happened in that trial. And we were justified in our mystification when finally they had to admit that it was a trial that should never have been brought. All I can say is I remember him testifying as I testified after he did. I also mentioned that Colin Powell also testified as to Ted Stevens' character. And we both felt all three of us felt like this was a besmirchment of a truly honorable and decent man. Well, once again, Mr. President, I'm proud to have been Senator Inouye's colleague. But I am more proud or pleased to have been his friend over all these years. He actually showed me a great deal of concern, showed me a great deal of friendship, would spend time with me when I needed uh, particular help and really was there in many ways for not just me, but for others as well. It's one of the kindest, most decent, honorable people I've ever met. This trial finished one week before Ted Stevens' re-election day. He landed in Anchorage 22 points behind. He was, at that moment, a convicted felon. The Democratic machinery poured millions of dollars into unseating Ted Stevens and running up his negative numbers. Control of the Senate loomed large in the campaign. But Democrat Daniel Inouye went to Alaska and campaigned. To the dismay of his party's extremists, he even raised money to help Stevens' campaign and wrote a check from his own campaign political action committee. All with Stevens as a target from Dan Inouye's own party. The night before the election, Stevens ran an ad of two minutes long in a last-second Hail Mary to save his career. Sometimes it takes knowing someone for a long time to know when they're speaking the truth. I love Alaska. Just like most of you, I raised my family and built my future here. These past few months have been difficult for all Alaskans, including my family. I deeply regret that. From the bottom of my heart, I know that I'm innocent. Everyone has a right to a fair trial and an appeal because sometimes innocent men are found guilty. This is one of those times. As my defense team clears my name, I assure you I will continue to serve you in the Senate when I earn your vote. Overzealous prosecutors violated the Constitution by knowingly withholding evidence confirming my innocence. Even the court said the prosecution lied to the jury. Alaska's former U.S. Attorney, Webb Shea, said this. The conduct of this prosecution team in evaluating the evidence is just beyond the pale. It's unethical, it's unprofessional, it's unconscionable. It's the worst professional conduct I've seen in over 40 years. My future is in God's hands. Alaska's future is in yours. I have been and will continue to be effective for Alaska. 
My record is the proof. My actions in the Senate during the past few weeks alone secured more than $200 million for our military in Alaska, obtained tax relief for the Exxon Valdez victims, invested in alternative energy projects, and doubled federal funding for many school districts. When you vote tomorrow, ask yourself, who will fight for Alaskans to provide affordable access to health care, lower energy costs, and work hard to ensure a bright future during these uncertain economic times? Experience counts, and empty promises just don't cut it. I'm Ted Stevens, and I approve this message. I ask for and need your vote tomorrow because this election is all about Alaska. Ted Stevens made up 22 points on Election Day, losing 151,767 votes to 147,814. On April 1, 2009, Senator Ted Stevens was totally exonerated. Prosecutors and FBI agents were caught lying, but paid no penalty. As far as I'm concerned, every one of them should have gone to jail. Senator, what is your reaction to the uh, Senator Stevens news today? Well, I was pleased that the Department of Justice has, has dropped all of the charges against Senator Stevens, but uh, I will tell you, I am, I am so very disappointed that uh, we could have a, a government, we could have a justice system that pursued Senator Stevens in the manner that they did, engaged in prosecutorial misconduct. His career is, is ruined. Uh, a reputation that he's built throughout his life is, is, is sullied. And, and then the government comes along and says, never mind, I've got a real problem with that. And uh, I, I think that this news is, is somewhat bittersweet. Senator Stevens promised us that the cloud over him would be lifted one of these days, and that day has now come, and that is good for Senator Stevens and his family. But it has come at such personal expense to a great Alaskan that I am truly saddened. Thank you, Senator. Senator Ted Stevens would die in a plane crash in August 9 of 2010. But through it all, his friend, Dan Inouye, a Democrat, never wavered. Together, they created modern-day Hawaii and Alaska. The National Museum for the American Indian recognized Native Hawaiian federal status. They were able to pass a bill that got reparations for Japanese citizens interned in camps during World War II. They protected the national fisheries with the Magnuson-Stevenson Act, formed and funded Native corporations for Native Alaskans, passed the Native Claims Settlement Act, brought phone service, running water, health clinics, basketball courts, community centers, even the U.S. mail to rural Alaska. They even got charges for shipping and phone services dropped to a national rate instead of the famous excluding Hawaii and Alaska. Following Ted's death, Senator Inouye came to this floor and he said the following of his fallen brother. He said, when it came to policy, we disagreed more often than we agreed, but we were never disagreeable with one another. We were always positive and forthright. Now, this remark came as, as perhaps a little bit of a surprise to me because on the important issues that face this country, 
they would most often arrive at, at significant at, at, at significant agreements that would allow the issues to advance in the Senate. And neither one of them viewed bipartisanship in a in a negative context. It was not a dirty word. Senator Inouye said of Ted, he said, we made the word bipartisan become real. Real. And it's no coincidence that each would be described in these terms, that his word is his bond, good as gold. Daniel Inouye brought depth to every debate and dignity to every room in which he entered. He was a model senator, and in these times of turbulence within the Senate, I think a role model for so many of us. There was an elegance in this man that I think we should all strive to emulate. And I wonder often if those of us who did not come of age in in that greatest generation are up to this challenge, but we should certainly strive to be. Who was in that room? Two former senators, Trent Lott and Tom Daschle, wrote a landmark book, Crisis Point, that examines the issues crippling our country. That's why I think we talk so much about relationships. That's invaluable. And the job is not in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, or, you know, Sioux Falls. The job is here. The media used to be the referee, and now they're the participant. Plus, Senator Ernest Hollings talks about how money is flooding the system. Two or three years, that's all I was doing, was raising money. And a look at arguably the most shameful act in recent memory, the attack on Senator Dianne Feinstein. Perhaps some good bipartisan legislation we can put together to make this great country even better. So, To Senator Feinstein, you're a joy to work with. Next time on Bridging the Political Gap. Thank you for listening to Bridging the Political Gap. If you've liked what you've heard, please share it. And we would love to hear from you and your thoughts on on our show. So if you'd like to, please leave a review. 
wherever you get your podcast. And until next time, thanks again, and so long for now.